Welcome to the Embrace It series, where women with all types of disabilities can be real, resourceful, and stylish. With each episode, you'll walk or roll away with everyday tips, life hacks, and success stories from community leaders and influencers. So take off your leg braces and stay a while with Lainey and Estella. Hi, I'm Lainey, and I have CMT. And I'm Estella, and I also have CMT a neuromuscular disorder affecting approximately 2.6 million people worldwide. That's as many as MS. We believe that disabilities should never get in the way of looking or feeling good. Both of us wear leg braces and have learned through our own personal journeys to embrace it. For more information and exclusive resources, check out our websites at trend-able.com and hnf-cure.org. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button for future episodes and special promos. So hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining for our latest episode of uh, Embrace It with Lainey and Estella. Hey, Lainey, how's it going? Good. Hi, everyone. How are you, Estella? I'm doing great. I'm super excited. We have a good friend and incredible human being um, today, uh, producer and director Ben Duffy. So thanks so much for joining us today, Ben. Thank you so much for having me. Hello, hello. So yeah, Ben, um, I think uh, I first came into contact with your work probably two years ago now um, when I saw the trailer for Take a Look at This Heart, which is the film that we'll be covering uh, for most of the podcast today. And if anyone has not seen this today, I think after the podcast, you will definitely be inclined to to watch it. It's an incredible film, um, and it really highlights intimacy and relationships in the disability community, which uh, for me and I'm sure a lot of people out there is very much groundbreaking subject. And uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about, about uh, your background, Ben, and how you got uh, involved with the disability community. Okay. Um, yeah, my name is Ben Duffy, and I started my filmmaking journey when I was 13, and I'm 31 now. So it's been a wild, long ride. Uh, I started with skateboarding. Um, I went to film school at SVA, but then left after a year. And uh, I moved to California with some some pennies in my wallet and just did the whole Vagabond thing and, uh, you know, <laughs> worked really hard in a feature length skateboarding documentary. And then after that, I was kind of like, you know, I don't want to stay in skateboarding forever because I'm pretty jaded by it. And the industry really shook me up. So I said, you know, what can I do as a filmmaker to expand uh, my, you know, just to diversify. And uh, I said to myself, you know, like, you know, I'm pretty sensitive. I'm an extremely sensitive person. And I, uh, you know, I got a deep heart and I want to put that into my, filmmaking so i tapped into the humanitarian side of filmmaking and um you know i guess from that point it was just like nine months after i finished we are skateboarders which is the title of my film uh, i was hit up by the ace skate foundation which i'm proud to talk about uh that's chris worley and the ace skate foundation um they uh teach autistic children how well just any person how to skateboard usually children how to skateboard as an alternative form of therapy. So mm. that was two years of my life making that documentary. So I think truly that was my introduction to the disabled community, disability community. Um, but more specifically, like the amputee and paraplegic and quadriplegic and you know spina bifida, uh, 
that was all through my buddy uh, Matt Hawkins, also known as Flow Hawk. He uh, he he hit me up on some good timing because I was like really down and out, and he was like, "Ben, I'd love for you to come to Kansas City and record an adaptive skate clinic." So I'm like, "Man, oh man, I really can't get out of skating at this point." But <laughs> I tap mm-hmm. the disabled community, so um, that that was the start of the beginning of like my second life, you know, because I feel right. like I joined this world uh, that has meant like, uh, it's like a volcano eruption of how much it means to me, you know? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I sincerely mean that. I, I, I'm still working on figuring out who, why, what, and where, and how, but it just is. And um, that was my introduction. And uh, I was working for UCAN, a wonderful company out of Israel, and they uh, highlight um, like they try to find specialized equipment for people people in the disability community to and you know enhance their lives. And they had hired me to do a bunch of work for them. And that's when I met Big Dog AJ Murray. And mm-hmm. like then on this one given day, <laughs> beautiful day of my life in Venice Beach, California, he said you should really make a documentary on love and sexuality in the disability community. And I, six months later, after after some like once again having to be at that pinnacle of like, um, what do I do with my life? I said, yeah, mm-hmm. and that's where the journey into the love realm of disability of dis- disability started. Yeah, I mean the so Ben, um, I unlike Estella had just heard of you via Estella and the movie, and um, I watched it actually a couple days ago and it literally blew me away. I mean, it is for anybody, regardless of having a disability, regardless of having a disability or not having a disability. Like I had my teenage son watch it with me. I called my friends. <laughs> I'm like, you've got to watch this movie. And um, I mean, it makes you laugh. It makes you cry. It is like absolutely incredible. And what I love most of all is I was telling Estella before we got on this call is like, you know, there's a, I mean, I guess it's relative, but there's a lot out there on dating and disability, but what you really focused on, which is, you know, this subject that uh, is so needed to be talked about is the love aspect, the intimacy aspect, the relationship aspect. And, you know, that's the part that I think, you know, really hit home for me, for anybody watching. You're just like, wow, like, you know, um, it was, it was Incredible. I wanted to know about the title, though, because, you know, every time I'm telling someone to go watch it, I'm like, wait, wait, I got to remember the title again. Wait, what's the title? So how did the title come to me? Like, can you say it again and share it? It's the film is called Take a Look at This Heart. And um, one day it just hit me that it's like the whole theme of it is to look into the heart of somebody, anybody, really, mm-hmm. instead of um, looking into the physical appearance and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, heart, you don't, there's no love without the heart. And, uh, it might sound cheesy, but that's just how I came up with it. You know, yeah. take a look at someone's heart before you take a look at anything else. Yeah. Well, what's awesome. I'm thank you for sharing that is like, and I'm, I'm not great with names. So there were so many amazing people featured in this movie. Um, again, you guys, I saw this on Amazon prime. We'll talk about that the end and put in the show notes a link to it but um i think you know obviously the title is so relevant because one of the um 
people in the movie. Actually, Estelle is the one, the woman we met who runs the dance. Oh, uh, Chelsea Hill. Yes. Chelsea Hill. Chelsea was talking about um, how she wants people, you know, the hardest part of dating for her when she was dating before she met her um, boyfriend is that people didn't see her as herself, like just being herself. Like wow. they saw the wheelchair, they saw, you know, the struggle, but they, her hardest challenge was just telling people I'm normal. <laughs> like, this is me. Like, this is who I am. And um, it was so relatable. And um, that totally makes sense in terms of the title, too, because, um, you know, a lot of times we are like, when we see people who are, you know, able bodied with people who are not, um, they look at those people. I think a lot of people look at those people as, oh, what amazing, fabulous. Oh my goodness. They're giving up so much of their life to be with right, this such person. a sacrifice. And, oh, like they're, they're heroes. They're like amazing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what I love, what Chelsea said and what her boyfriend said is like, he gets as much from her as, you know, he gives and, um, he's with her because she's her. So once you decided you know, to, to go forward with the film. What was that process like in, in meeting all your, your different subjects? So I, I had found a lot of the subjects through UCAN, actually. Um, and uh, I just had met so many already. And then, uh, you know, a lot of, I think a lot of people will be like, oh, what's your process? And I'll be like, well, it's a lot more organic than, than maybe mm. you could imagine. It wasn't like it wasn't like, uh, oh, so you just, what, you just pick this person, that person because of this or because they're, I've gotten everything. Like, oh, you only have, a, you know, you pick people because they're attractive. You did this and that. I'm like, listen, I met a lot of these people before I started, I even, before I even met AJ, who gave me the idea. Mm. And then, um, so, and then once I released that crowdfunding campaign uh, on Indiegogo, I had like, I would say 50 messages being like, I'm dying to be a part of this film. But the thing was, is that I had already met a lot of the people, like I said, through UCAN. And then Ali Stroker, Steve Wampler, and Vasu Sojitra came on board by meeting them in person. Um, Steve and Ali, I met in the same shot. I did a Q&A with Ali at the... Um, uh, I met her in Cincinnati. I can't remember. It was I was premiering Ten Soldiers, my my second to last film, or the film I did before Take of the Heart. And we did a Q and A together. And after uh, the last question was, "So what's next, Ben?" And I was like, "Well, I want to make a documentary on love and sexuality in the disabled community." And Ali just was like, "I want to be a part of that." So obviously that was a big deal to me because Alex Stroker's kind of a huge deal these days. And now, and now she's a Tony Award winning uh, Broadway actress. Yeah, I mean. It's wild to think about. I'm so, <laughs> I'm so proud of her, and like, oh. and uh, you know, it's it's so wonderful to watch that progression. Her and I mean everybody in the film, like, mm-hmm. that is so cool, and they're doing so many great things. Chelsea and Ali are truly, uh, truly amazing. And um, but anyway, so yeah, and then I met Steve Wampler. Somebody had just been like, "Hey, Steve wrote his number on a little piece of paper here, so here you go." And I'm like, "Man, I." definitely like wow I'm getting yeah it. you can't say no to that guy yeah oh, i didn't know anything about him either but i mean i just i don't know i didn't know anything about any of these people except for the people i already met who um who of like the people in the film do you think most like 
I have, you know, who I connected with most, the story. What about for you? Is there one story that hit home for you that you really connected with the most? Wow, actually, that's cool. No one's ever actually asked me that. I guess it would be a combination of Keith. Keith was kind of helping me to develop a sense of confidence in my own life about mm-hmm. not getting so broken down. Um, like a relationship that didn't work out or uh, kind of learning how to just be a little more uh, like Teflon, like, you know, like try to, try to not. Internalize uh, all of it. Yeah, exactly. Internalize all of it and let it destroy you, you know? And and he he was, his confidence um, is just so profound. And, uh, and it wasn't like in a, like it wasn't in a way where I was like, oh man, like this guy is the man because he's so like confident and cocky. He was just like, Mm -hmm pretty grounded in the way he thought about like, you know, if it didn't work out or if they couldn't understand me and as someone with bipolar disorder, I go through that all the time. Like, like I want to tell people up front, like I got bipolar disorder before they even like, we even get to the next like step because I'm like, you know, you got to know me for me. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And I think I, Keith really introduced me to that mindset. Mm-hmm. And then the other person would be Steve Wampler, just the line of him saying like, you know, I always had it in the back of my mind. I wonder if I'm ever going to get married, you know, like yeah. that was like, like, that's another part of it. Even just the trailer, he says that. And then it shows him and Elizabeth like kissing at their wedding. And I'm like, I've, I've been there, you know, like I've been right. there my whole life. Like again, bipolar disorder. Like I, I live this secret life of like, you know, People always think like, oh man, this kid's living the dream because he's making all these movies, but without, mm. you know, without getting too far into it and not want to live a war with me kind of life, I don't live that life at all. So I struggle with the idea of, I mean, I met my girlfriend a year ago and, and things are wonderful with her, but before then, I just felt like a lost cause with the whole romance life. So like with the whole dating and and whatever so when steve said that that's like something i connected to so heavily like wondering like will anybody ever love me for me kind of type thing so mm-hmm. i would say i would say my boy steve and keith hit me the heart or relatable yes and i think i think every character well not character but every individual in this film has their own story and their own journey and it's just so beautifully interwoven together and it's just really at the end of the day it's just about love and you know finding your love story everybody has that you know that ability and that that need to be loved and to love somebody else and um it's just so it's just so raw and powerful and i i think a lot of our listeners can can relate to um you know just the feeling of a lot a lot of people get into relationships that are not healthy because they don't think that they can get somebody uh, better or somebody that they deserve. So I think just seeing examples of just really healthy, beautiful relationships as well is really, um, really powerful. Yeah. And I, I, um, like, I think, um, one of the biggest challenges for people with disabilities in relationships is like the caretaker role versus keeping, the you know, the sparks, the, the hot, like, like the, I don't know how to <laughs> articulate it, but Romance, you know, yeah. like the, those, those roles blended a lot of times. And so it's hard for people. Like I loved, um, when I forgot who it was, who was talking about how she 
was like when she was first dating her boyfriend, she was like proving that she can do everything independently so that almost like, oh, look, when you get me, you don't have to do this kind of work. I think one of the things that opens up people's minds is that there's able-bodied people who don't have um, exposure to people with disabilities. And I think they're just written off as like a group of people that they could never be a romantic partner. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's a little tough for me to talk about just because I, I feel like I haven't been in that role as much as the people in the film, but I also could say that like, you know, any kind of disability, whether it's an invisible disability or a physical disability, like if someone has generalized anxiety disorder, you know, how much of, are you the emotional caretaker, the nursing, the depression and the anxiety and how much you is being there for them, but not as their therapist. And that that's like a form of caretaking to me as far mm-hmm. as that's like, you know, where do you draw the line? Where do you say to yourself, all right, listen to my partner. Um, you have to kind of take this on for yourself because if I like, if I take on too much of it, maybe you'll feel less like you got it, you know, you got to know you got it. And, um, you know, I think like if you take, uh, you know, take Elizabeth and Steve, for example, the Wamplers, like, I feel like she's so good at like, he does his own thing. If he wants, if he's going to close the front door and go all the way down the supermarket, like he does it all. And that's why I love that scene so much in there when he's got the supermarket and he's yeah dishing out the, the, you know, the money and all that stuff. It's just like, it's like, you know, I guess people would be like, oh, well, why isn't she doing that? But it's like, she doesn't have to. She's not really, she doesn't do everything for him. She just mm. loves him unconditionally. And that's saying a whole lot, you know. Um, you know, it's a beautiful thing to just see that relationship so even, you know. And like, yeah. not kind of taking over one person. The things that, like the true love that comes with it is like knowing what the other person is capable of letting them do that. So, right. yeah. And truly, you don't know what you're going to get, right? Like yeah. when you are dating or in marriage, like you don't know what you're going to get down the road. <laughs> you know, it's like, right. um, you know, been married second time. And, you know, I have friends who obviously have developed MS, have had all sorts of things in later life that have happened. And, you know, their spouses love them. They're either, you know, and they love them and and that goes with the territory. I guess when you are with someone with visible or non-visible disabilities and you know it from the start, you probably grow with that person and you two are able to, you know, grow together. There's no big shockers (laughs) that come along, you know, to test your caretaking abilities. But I loved the scene, like, they're like showing how they have sex. Like, oh, yeah, Angela, to me, that, I was like, first of all, it was hot, and it was <laughs> like, and it it normalizes it. It shows yes. you, like, okay, every woman, and maybe not every woman, but most of us like the feeling of being cared for, and you know, like have sex fantasies of some you know guy who's lifting you up and putting you on the bed and throwing you around, and she's like, this is what we do. And he doesn't, even though I'm thin and whatever, like I'm not fragile. And I loved how she talked about, you know, some people, you know, people believe or have this stereotype that people, um, 
you know, don't have any feeling at all, you know, from like when they can't use their legs, if they have no feeling, genital feeling, whatever. And she's like, some of us don't, but she herself was ultra, um, sensitive, you know, sensitive. And I loved that. Like, I just, I absolutely, I mean, first of all, that made me cry because I'm like, oh my God, like people need to see this. People need to Mm -hmm. know, like people who have these traumatic injuries, they're just people just like you and me. And it can be the hottest sex and it just depends on your partner and the chemistry, yeah, just like just everybody looks, else. It just looks different. Yeah, it just looks different. And and it requires communication, which I think is, you know, one of the most beautiful parts of it. And, you know, and, and on that subject, I, I really thought the interview with AJ about um, his, I guess, therapist. It's cool. Like, I'm glad, he's, I'm glad he was so open to talk about that. Yeah. It is, man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> It's cool that he breaks down the difference between what he was doing and prostitution and and it's such a fine it's such a actually no it's such a big difference and it's so important for people to be like you know what like like if I like if I were AJ like I would I would need that and probably more because we've been so like whatever like a lot of a lot of able-bodied people who hopefully will see this film and learn how to relate and empathize and whatever more so like they've probably just a lot of people have been on easy street when it comes to this kind of sexual realm and for aj it's been quite the polar opposite um and i think um it's so beautiful to hear him talk about that because the progression of where he started with the sex surrogate, I think he said, uh, you know, the progression he made was so tasteful. It wasn't just like, oh, first day, let's just do this because I can't wait. Like it was <laughs> like, yeah, he, it, the most vulnerable and beautiful thing that he shared about that was that it took him a little while to get that confidence to learn how to take that love in. and be accustomed to like processing that that kind of sexual nature that he was so, um, you know, that was kind of omitted out of his life. And um, I just think that it's like, it's a, it's a really interesting scene um, to see how he feels about it, which was, I came out of this, so much more confident not not that like he's some sexual legend but like <laughs> you know that he pleasure a woman and he can find pleasure in himself for that stuff that wasn't there you know like the right. good way to talk about filling a void in a very in a very appropriate and vulnerable way so that that scene didn't mean a lot to me and it was funny because i would always watch that scene oh, again i've seen this movie so many times so it's like <laughs> <laughs> so I, I I pick and choose like what keeps my attention after a while, like after the hundredth time. But like I remember, I remember that scene was always like, oh man, like I'm gonna check. I would just I would always check out during that part, and then someone watched it really early on, and they were like, wow, that scene was incredible. And I was like, oh, yeah, I, I I guess I should actually give it another watch. And ever since then, I've been like. Away by his. Just so, so vulnerable. And and you make such a good point there when you say he had to let himself kind of open up his heart to receive. I think, you know, that says a lot about 
people living with disabilities that maybe they haven't been in a relationship yet or don't think they're capable of it. I think we we carry a lot of shame around our disabilities. And I think one of the steps, it's not just, you know, um, educating the able-bodied uh, population, but I think it's also about educating the disability community that you are worthy of it and that they're really sh- you sh- really shouldn't be carrying that shame around with you. It's just, you know, it's, it's... Oh, yeah. I mean, that scene, I think, was so applicable to anybody, not just, I mean, it's like, you know, you know many people out there who feel insecure about their appearance, who, Unwilling. you know, have you know, have not had a relationship ever and they're in their thirties or forties or whatever, and they don't have disabilities and they think they're unlovable or, you know, not attractive. And I, I mean, how empowering for him. And like, you're watching it going, of course, like you are, you know, mm-hmm. you, you are worthy and you are able to give love and receive love, you know, mm-hmm. um, or sex, <laughs> maybe not the love, you know? So, I mean, um, so can we um, make a switch over? Cause I wanted to talk a little bit about, um, your bipolar diagnosis and then how it relates to your new project that you've been working on. And I, I, I heard about it through the grapevine. So maybe you could share a little bit about that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I very much have bipolar disorder, bipolar one. And um, a lot of people don't know this about me, but I also take um, a medication called Abilify, which is an antipsychotic to prevent me from having um, psychotic symptoms or symptoms of psychosis, I should say. So, you know, that uh, it's a little bit of of a curveball in life, (laughs) but, uh, you know, I... I don't know. It's 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 so weird because I, I used to say like I make these films as a form of catharsis to help me through this the, my my mental you know my mental disorder and um, I don't know you know I, as I grow older um, I realize that it's less about me using my passion and more of um, taking taking passion in. Uh, what that means is that, um, you know, not to sound sappy or anything, but like I, I'm, it's on the tip of my brain because I am about to, or well, at some point I'm going to record a new, um, uh, to create a direct, a new episode to my mental health series, which is called, I do not blame myself. And it's really a lot about being loved as a person with mental illness, going back to the whole love thing. Not about not I'm not delving into the whole sexual aspect of it. But whether it's uh love from a parent or whether it's love from, you know, your girlfriend, like it just I I had this long journey of like after take a look at this heart. I'm glad I'm talking about this because I never talk about this in interviews. Um when I finished Take a Look at This Heart I became very, very sick. Actually, when I was in Bozeman, Montana, Puerto Rico, um, I was pretty sick. Like I, I was at the pinnacle of my mania, and uh, I, you know, I the right towards the end of the process, I had bronchitis for a month and a half, and I was smoking and drink, smoking cigarettes and drinking every night. I was doing a lot of self-destructive things. And then I crashed really hard, as you do when you get to that pinnacle mania. You can only go down from there. 
So I moved home to my dad's, um, which was a whole personal journey in itself, but moving home in uh, February of 2018, which is right around the time where I finished Take a Look at This Heart, like like a month after. And like, you know, press the export button on the, on the, on the Adobe. <laughs> and uh, I think it was just like, talk about bipolar disorder. Like for me, like to be so elated and to be in such a euphoric state for a whole year, making the film of my lifetime dream like i couldn't handle like my bipolar disorder my sensitivity couldn't handle like it's over now you know it's over and i'm never like three years later i sit here right now recording this podcast and i can honestly say i've never felt anything close to the joy and the passion and the and the euphoria that i felt on the cliff in puerto rico bring Grichel out to that edge of the cliff yep and uh about the lighthouse uh you know that's it's a hard pill to swallow and it's, it's just been so long and then how that transitioned to what i was saying before is i think i went a long time with just trying to chase that high by um self-medicating my bipolar disorder and it wasn't until i really accepted uh the love from my father and from um, my girlfriend Amelia, that I, you know, I I started to kind of lean off this false hope that it's that that I'm still on that cliff with the right. show, and I'm actually standing on two feet in upstate New York, feeling like I'm filling in my own void by just being loved and bring and accepting that love, and that. You know, I guess that even ties into the film, like, take a look at this heart, because it, Mm -hmm. you know, when you can let your guard down, and it's not about the love you, you know, you're, you're trying to find, it's about the love you hide, you know, that, you know, you gotta, that's waiting to be let inside, like, you, uh, you open up a lot of doors, and you really let that brick wall guard down, and, and bipolar disorder, you have to, you have to talk about shame. I go through a lot of shame. I go through a lot of like, I got to forgive myself for having this illness. The shit that I, sorry, the stuff that I do to self-sabotage and all these things, I do blame myself for that because nobody can, nobody's responsible for your BS, you know? Right. But I I can't blame myself for having a diagnosis. And I, I can't not allow someone to love me because I have it. And so the first, going into the film like the first um episode is about hope having hope with a every every one of my characters uh gene devon and and uh, linda you know whether it's having paranoid schizophrenia and getting his master's degree uh and being the first person in his family to to get a degree uh or whether it's linda uh getting off of her medications and living an incredibly productive and happy and, and grounded life or Devin, who's also actually in a, he's a paraplegic. Um, I know I'm talking about any reference, but I'm trying to be as detailed as possible. Um, you know, he survived the suicide attempt and that he became paralyzed, but he's married and lives a wonderful life of joy and tennis and surfing and, you know, coffee in the morning, just like everybody else. And, um, I don't know, you know, like putting myself into a film 
um, and being so vulnerable kind of also like less of the catharsis, but more of just like, why am I not worthy to be in front right. of you? You know, like I was in the front of the camera a little bit and take a look at this heart, but I wasn't sharing my deepest, darkest secrets too much. And now that I am, it's kind of hot. It's kind of like, even just, it's funny. Cause like, I'll show a friend, my new bipolar film, which I, uh, my mental health film, which I'm in. And I'll be like, are they still going to want to be friends with me after this? Like, Oh my God. Mm -hmm. I, Am I too vulnerable? Am I too sensitive? Am I too caught up in my illness? But the response that I get is like, Ben, I love you so much more than I ever have because I shared that. So mm -hmm. I hope that answers it. It's a very long-winded answer, but I, yeah. I... It's I think it's it's beautiful, beautifully said. And I know Lainey and I talk about this a lot, the power of vulnerability. And, yep. you know, so many times we're so scared to show those sides of ourselves and on the other side of that is just, just an incredible amount of love. I mean, I, every time I've opened myself up, Lainey, I know, you know, you've had similar experience and even by doing this podcast, you know, um, and just putting your voice out there, it's, there's always fear, but on the other side of that fear, once you start hearing people's feedback and, you know, Oh, I never thought of it that, that way. You've really helped me get through some stuff. And I'm sure I know you personally, Ben have had, just an outpouring of love from the disability community and I'm sure the mental illness community. And I'm sure that is just so rewarding. Um, well, you know, it's, it's yeah. like, it is, it is true when you are vulnerable and you put yourself out there, like you had did obviously then in this, like, you know, people want to watch it. People want to be around you. I would assume people want to share with you their stories and their truth, whether it's, you know, having invisible disabilities or not you know, you become accessible when you're just this filmmaker who people, you know, don't know and think is cool and thinks has his shit together and thinks is all, you know, all rainbows and unicorns. It's like, okay, well, that's him. I can't really relate to him. You did all this while having manic episodes, while going through depression, while doing all that. It makes people want to watch more. If he wants people, not in a voyeuristic way, but in a, like, I late like I have to do my freaking job and I'm you know not sharing all the stuff that's going on with me and here he did and he did this and it makes it better it makes it relatable and um I love that you know I'd like to share something for the fans and take a look at this heart um you know not a lot of people know this actually I, I think the only time I ever shared it was <laughs> not to uh no one can no one can't see this but this is uh Vogue Portugal and I did an interview for them uh, where I talked about, they can't say this, I have no idea what I'm doing this, but, you know, here's Ali and Chelsea in Vogue Portugal and the interview. Mm. And uh, this is the only time I ever talked about this, but it's in Portuguese, so I I haven't even read it yet, but, so it's just my mouse pad for now. But, here we go. True Detective, right? Matthew McConaughey. He goes mm. inside the job. You know, he goes he goes so far into his craft, his job, that he comes out as a true detective. He comes out as someone who experienced it so deeply, and that's why he was able to solve this incredible case. So for all the people who haven't seen that, that's okay. Here's my true detective story. In March 2018, this was after I came down from my pinnacle, the pinnacle of my mania, I was hospitalized. and. Um, I was hospitalized 
because of the cherry on top to where somebody had seen take a look at this heart and when i say cherry on top i mean like i was already like really really depressed and suicidal so this woman watches the film and she goes i actually don't want to reserve a seat uh reserve a theater for you because i didn't like the film and she was so critical about all the things that she she didn't like about the film and it broke me down to such an extreme place right like i was just crushed and devastated and you know if somebody would have told me at that moment then so many people are going to love your film and it's going to be on amazon prime i still don't think it would have to fill that void of how crushed i was so i go to the hospital the psychiatric unit and there's a guy there who is a quadriplegic laying in a bed. He, he obviously he's got a lot of other things going on, which I shouldn't share. It's not, it's not my business to share. Um, but he was in the mental institution, mental psychiatric ward for a long time. And I had just gotten there and, um, I told him about the film and, you know, he goes, Ben, like, that's amazing. Like that's something that I, you know, I threw out sexuality for my life 10 years ago when I got injured. And I've never even thought about that for myself until now. I never thought about it as possible. I can't, and I showed him the trailer. He, he was, you know, he freaked out. He thought I was amazing. And it really touched him. And, you know, it wasn't just that, but it was the fact that I saw him laying the way he was laying in that hospital and knowing that he had been there for six months, knowing that I gave him some sort of hope, um, or the film gave some sort of hope and all the people in the film gave some sort of hope and just the trailer. Um, I said to myself, you know what? Like that's that moment when I put my ego away and I, I put my sensitive, you know, destruct the destroyed ego and that self-esteem away. And I said, like, I can't listen to like somebody who wants to put me down because they're putting in their own judgment and control like I have to do it for this guy. And can you imagine if this guy who's been here for six months can get an hour and 40 minutes of this film in front of his eyes and see that and feel that hope. And, uh, you know, like a year later, I get a call from a doctor in Aurora, Colorado, who took on the film and shows it to all 30 patients in the SCI unit. SCI unit. And, I was like, I thought about that, my friend in the hospital, and I was like, wow, like one day he's going to see it in the hospital too. Uh, and that's what I meant by true detective. You know, I had to, I had to get so destroyed by this film in order to really tap into what I was really going for. Yeah. Cause it's so much bigger than one person. It's so much bigger than any critic's opinion. It's, it's it's truly a, a transformative film for so many people, and I think and that's it probably what, brings out. And I mean, it does bring out so much of your own stuff, yeah. you know. Yeah. And for that one critic who doesn't matter, but it, you know, we don't know what it brought out in her. So, how can people find you? Well, uh, take a look at this heart is uh, is on Instagram. Like the I have an Instagram for take a look at this heart. It's just take a look at this heart. Um, and that's what I primarily focus on. I, yeah, I mean, more importantly, the film is on Amazon Prime and iTunes and Vudu. And in addition to that, uh, a lot of people don't know this, but the film 
is available everywhere in the, everywhere in the world. It's just not subtitled on Vimeo on demand. But if you okay. go on Vimeo on demand, you can be anywhere in the world and watch it without subtitles. So as long as you can understand English, you can watch it, which is really cool. So and and what about your new uh, your new series? I do not believe myself. Is yeah, that-, that is on YouTube just for free. I just was kind of testing the waters with that. Um, so if you just go on YouTube and type in like mental health Ben Duffy or I do not blame myself. Yeah, you can find it on YouTube. And Well, thank you so much. We'll, we'll, we'll post those notes in our uh, show notes and all our social media. It's a really amazing film that, you know, especially those people who are listening to us who have disabilities, bring your partner in, have them watch it. If you don't have a partner, family, you know, anybody. Yeah. Because um, I, it should be in schools. Like I can see a whole thing in schools for, for, you know, teachers to be able to show for facilitators to come in and it really makes, uh, it breaks all stereotypes and it really helps um, the disability community and the able-bodied community just, you know, mesh and relate. And it's really empowering for anybody to watch. So thank you so much, Ben, for joining us. and. Um, We'll, we'll talk to you soon. We look forward to catching up after your uh, your your latest projects. Yeah, it's yeah. a real honor to be on this podcast. And uh, yeah, just sharing anything I can share to help the film. And I mean, it, it's, it's going to mean somebody to somebody. Uh, so just promoting it always feels like it's just getting closer to meaning something to somebody. Well, thank you so much for taking your time to be with us. And uh, we appreciate it. Yeah. So. I appreciate you, Ben. Thank you. Bye, guys. All right. Take care. Bye.